Um, this morning I want to talk to you about the people of Christmas. You know, we, we've been talking, our series has been about all the different people that God chose to put in the Christmas story. You know, you think about it, He could have chose anyone, correct? But He chose the individuals that He chose. And so I wanted to look at each one of those individuals or those groups of people, and I wanted to answer the question, what can we learn from them? Because when God chose these people, there were qualities about them, there were things about them that when He chose them, He, he magnified those things for us to be able to see it. And so we've looked at the wise men, we've looked at the foolish people, we, uh, we've looked at the genealogy and the past people of promise and the future people of promise. We, we've looked at several different people that are involved in the Christmas story. But as we get closer to Christmas Day, I want us to really zero in. And today I want to look at the mother of God's Son. Mary, the, the woman that, or the, the young girl, I should say, that God chose to be the mother of His only begotten Son. What an honor. What a, what a blessing to, for God to choose you of all the women in the world for you to hold this position, for you to take on this role. And so I want to see what it is that we can learn from this woman that God chose to be the mother of His only begotten Son. Now I want to start with this. Mary is a magnificent person. I mean, she is, she is a very godly woman. She is the mother of the Creator of all things. She is the mother of God, if you will. However, in the past she has been, um, I believe the word is venerated, she's been exalted, she's been lifted up to a place of, uh, of basically worship. She's been lifted up to a place of uh, intercessory so that now she is a mediator between us and God or in some religions they consider her that. She's actually given titles such as um, advocate. If you were to go to the Catholic catechism, and if you're in our Wednesday night study, you know the catechism is, is the uh, question and answer that they use to teach their people what they believe. And in their catechism, Paragraph 969, if you want to look it up and see for it yourself, they give her titles such as Advocate, Helper, Benefactress, Mediatrix. They, they, they claim that she can mediate to God on our behalf, that she can bring us eternal salvation. And this is not just something that is a Roman Catholic thing, even though that, that they weigh heavily on this teaching in that area. But this is something that actually began back in the days of Jesus Himself. If you were to look with me at Luke chapter 11, verse 27 through 28, I want you to see something that happened in Luke chapter 11, verse 27 and 28. Jesus is teaching in a crowd. And as He's teaching, this is what happens. And He said these things, as He said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to Him, Blessed is the womb that bore you, and the breasts at which you nursed. But He said, now listen, if there was ever a time for Jesus to magnify His mother, and again, here's what I want to be careful of. I don't want to take away from the fact that Mary was a magnificent person. Mary was a godly example. Mary was a highly favored one, a blessed one. 
one that we should look at and get examples from and, and want to imitate things of her faith and the nature that she had. But instead of, God, uh, instead of Christ magnifying Mary at this time, look what He says. But He said, blessed, what's that next word? Rather. So in other words, this woman said, blessed the womb that bore you, blessed the, the breast that nursed you. And then Jesus comes on and says, no, let me tell you who is rather blessed. Blessed rather are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. Those are the ones that are blessed. And so I want you to be able to see that even back then they were trying to lift, maybe not to a place of worship, but they were at least trying to lift her up to such a place that she was um, just this supernatural person. There are doctrines out there that talk about Mary was born without sin and that she has never had sin and she, that she was um, a virgin not only before she became pregnant but after she, but while she was pregnant, after the birth of Jesus Christ and even, even after that, throughout the rest of her life she was pregnant and yet the Bible tells us that Jesus had brothers and he had at least two sisters, I believe it was, or maybe it just says sisters, I can't remember which one. But he had, I think, at least four brothers, and he had sisters, and they say, well, those were children of Joseph from a previous marriage, is what they say. So again, all these things are important to them to make sure that Mary becomes this perfect being so that she can be our mediator between us and God, so that she can be someone whom we can pray to and whom can go to God on our behalf and who can bring us um, eternal salvation through her mediation. And I want to tell you something. Mary is a wonderful, magnificent, godly woman. But Mary was a sinner, just like the rest of us are sinners. And so we want to look at Mary today and we want to see exactly what it is that we can learn from Mary we want to be able to see that she's not who a lot of the world portrays her as, especially the Roman Catholic faith, if you will. I'm not trying to pick on them this morning, but this is a doctrine that stands heavy in their faith. And so I want to at least be able to show you that Mary is somebody that we can learn from. She is somebody that we should study and see. But we don't need to lift her above what the Bible describes her as and who the Bible tells us that she is. You know, as a matter of fact, in... Um, Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. In Galatians chapter 4 verse 4, the Apostle Paul really has the opportunity to magnify Mary if, if that is the case. And yet he doesn't do that. But look what he says. He says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son born of what? You see what I'm saying? Not only that, but if the New Testament church meant for us to do this, it's strange to me that uh, the last time we actually see Mary even mentioned, other than this sort of a mention right here, the only other time you see her mentioned is when she's in the upper room praying in the book of Acts chapter 1, I believe it is, but she's in the upper room praying, and that is the last time that you ever even hear her name mentioned in all the rest of the New Testament. And so, again, I want us to understand that Mary is somebody that we can indeed learn from, but she is not someone 
who we should lift above uh, to a status that is not biblical. So I got just a couple of things. There's more than that there, but I'm going to give you two things this morning that we can learn from Mary. First thing we can learn from Mary, we can learn from her humility. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 49 again. And I brought this out as I read it, but look what Mary says. Now remember, Mary is the chosen mother of God's Son. Mary is a virgin. Mary is a very godly woman. And yet, look at what she says about this news. She says in verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my what? My Savior. Now a perfect person don't need a Savior, right? But Mary magnifies the Lord and rejoices in her Savior. And then look what she says in verse 48. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. Listen, Mary knows that she's not worthy of this blessing. Mary knows that she's a sinner even though she's trying to live a godly life. Mary knows what it means that she needs a Savior as she rejoices and magnifies her Lord, her God, her Savior. And then in verse 49, she can't even fathom that He would do these things for me. For me. And this is the kind of humility that we need to learn to put on in our lives. You know, one of the things that we are guilty of in our life is that we act most of the time as if we deserve God's grace and others don't. Now what I mean by that, let me, let me just stay, stay with me for a minute. <clears throat> Whenever somebody does something wrong, they end up on the news, whatever. Somebody does something wrong. One of our first things is to go to judge that person and think and talk about how, how wrong that was and how bad that was. And, and, we, and again, it's not that most time it's not right. It was wrong. It was bad. But our minds quickly go to judge someone else. And what we think is that, see, we deserve God's mercy. Because if we actually understood what we have received that we did not deserve, let me tell you what you would be quick to do. When you hear something like that, you would be quick to say, God, have mercy on them, a sinner. God, have mercy on them, a sinner just like me. God, thank you for the mercy that you have shown me. Thank you that you have done great things for me. And when you can take on this kind of humility, you cannot be so quick to judge others in their situation. Again, I'm not saying that you don't call evil evil. Evil is evil. We know that. Sin is sin, right? But I'm also saying you have a heart of mercy whenever you have a heart of humility. You're not so quick to blacklist somebody just because of the things that they have done in their life. You're quick to extend mercy. You're quick to want them to see grace. And we could learn from Mary right here. We could learn that we need to be able to look at ourselves. Because again, think about Mary. A very godly young lady from all that we know. If anybody in the church would have said, that's, that's, a, that, that's a portrait of a child of God right there. We would have looked at Mary and said, that's her right there. Follow her example. And yet even in all of her goodness or so-called goodness, she still looks at herself and she says, He has done great things for me. 
And guys, I'm going to tell you something. If there's ever been a generation, and I'm not trying to get on the millennial and all that, I'm just being honest. I'm talking about our group right here. If there has ever been a generation that needs humility, we're it. I mean, you let somebody put a Facebook post up there and, and 99% of us are offended. Can't believe you would do something, say something like this, and here we go. We're sharing this thing, retweeting, and this is that next thing you know, we've made this thing into something. And the problem is, we ain't got no humility. We actually think we're the only ones that deserve any mercy. We're the only ones that deserve any grace. Maybe it's time for us to be like Mary and look at our lives and go, God, I can't believe that you would do anything for me. And when we hear something else, when we have that kind of heart, we're quick to give that to someone else. And so I believe that we can learn that from Mary and not be so quick to judge, not be so quick to take an offense. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, that God gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. Look at that. For God opposes the proud. What does it mean to oppose something? To go against it, right? How many of you want the God of all creation to go against you? God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. You want to know why Mary got grace? Because she had a heart of humility. She was humble. You want the grace of God? You want the mercy of God? you need to understand that you don't deserve it. I'm not talking about just going around beating yourself up all the time about how terrible I am and I'm a nobody and I'm worthless. I'm talking about just recognizing who I am in the eyes of God and then recognizing what He's done for me. For me. So that I magnify Him. So that I rejoice in God my Savior. And when you carry that kind of heart, it will change the way that you respond to others. And let me say it again. Please don't walk out of here without this lesson. Please don't walk out of here without applying this to your heart. Because guys, our generation is the worst I believe we've ever seen at being prideful. No mercy. No grace. Quick to judge. Quick to be offended. And you know why you're offended? Because everything ain't matching up to your standard. Your standard. You look at somebody they've done something, they didn't line up to your standard. And so because they're not up to your standard, you're quick to be offended. You're quick to judge. If we'll take on a heart of humility, we won't be quick to judge, and we will not be quick to be offended. You know how many of y'all in here over the years I've been with you have done something to offend me? And yet I still love you. I ain't left you yet. I have no plans to. But do you know how many people on the opposite side of this thing that I've offended in some way? They're out. They're gone. I want you to understand that if we're going to have a heart of humility, that we're going to be quick to give mercy. We're going to be quick to show grace. And we're going to be long-suffering. We're going to be gentle. We're going to be kind. But if you're a prideful person, those things won't come with you. The last thing I've got for you. Second thing we learn, we can learn from her faith. Back up just a little bit to Luke chapter 1, verse 34. And let's read that together. Luke chapter 1, verse 34. We'll go down to verse 38 real quick. It says, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? <laughs> That's a good question, right? 
I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> you tell me I'm fixing to have a baby. You know, the way I understand this thing to work, I'm just saying. So how can this thing be seeing as though I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, Well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing, here's the key, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now you think about this for just a minute. What was Mary's response? Now, I want to tell you a quick story about a young man that come out of Sunday school one day, somewhere around four or five years old, come out of Sunday school one day and he's driving home with his mom and his dad and they say, well, son, what'd you learn today? He said, well, let me tell you about it. He said, these Egyptians was chasing these Israelites and they were, they were bearing down on them and they run them up to this Red Sea and they were fixing to get them and God built a bridge. And they got up on this bridge and God set tanks and machine guns on each side. And those Israelites got in the tanks and the machine guns and they blasted those Egyptians and they wiped out those Egyptians. They crossed over the Red Sea on that bridge and they walked right into the promised land. <laughs> Mom and Dad said, Son, are you sure that's what you learned in Sunday school class? He said, Well, that's not really exactly the way I learned it, but that's more believable than what that teacher said. <laughs> Now you think about this for just a minute, alright? When it comes to supernatural things, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. We only know that things operate a certain way. And when you start coming to me and telling me that Red Seas just part and people walk across on dry land, and then when the enemy comes in, the Red Sea floats back down and destroys them all, yeah, I'd, I'd much rather believe that he built a bridge, that he set tanks and machine guns, and that's how this whole thing played out. But Mary, in this case, when she hears the impossible, she just looks back and says, okay. She just looks back and says, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your will. And she believed. It was that simple. And we can learn from her faith. Listen, I'm not talking about having a name it and claim it faith. I'm not talking about just because you want something and you say, well, well yes, He's going to do it. Does that mean He's going to do it? No, because He don't operate according to your will, right? He operates according to His will. And so I'm not talking about that kind of faith. I'm talking about a faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember those guys? They're sitting uh, in front of a fiery furnace and, and uh, the king looks at them and says, Listen, if y'all don't bow down to my God, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And you remember what they said? They looked back at him and they said, I believe it was Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. They said, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. He's able, right? And He will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But then look at this next part. I love this next verse. But if not, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods. Now here's faith that like we've got to have today. 
Faith that looks at God and says, God, even if it's impossible, you can do it. I have no doubt about that. I have no question about what you can do. But even if you don't, you're still good. Even if you don't, I'll trust you. Even if you destroy me, I'm yours. I'm your servant. Do with me whatever you will because here's what I know about you. You are good all the time. And I know that you will always work all things together for my good because I love you and I'm called according to your purpose. This is what I know about you and this is what my faith says. God, I don't care what you choose to send my way, even if it's impossible. I know you can do anything you want to do. But even if you don't, I trust you. I love you. I know you're good. I know you care for me. I know you love me. And I'm yours. This is the kind of faith that I'm talking about. Now you think about it for a minute. I'm coming to a close. i got that much left. <clears throat> Mary was a teenage girl, right? She was betrothed. Actually married. Legally married. The contract has been signed. She is a Jewish girl. Do you have any idea what is going to happen to a Jewish virgin girl who is betrothed that comes up pregnant? I don't have time to explain to you the different scenarios here. But I want you to understand something. Mary faced a lot of consequences and yet no matter what danger and what suffering was going to come her way, her mind did not go to that. Her mind said, I'm your servant. You do with me whatever you want. I belong to you. And if this is what you choose to do in my life, even if it means suffering, even if, you don't deliver me from the fire. I'm not going to serve any other God. I'm going to serve the one true God. And this is faith. This is faith that will sustain you through anything that comes in your life. I want you to understand something. And, 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 and I get the... Listen, I'm not trying to put anybody down for wanting to stand on the promise of God. I get the name it and claim it thing. I wish it were true. I really do. I wish that I could just say, Mary, where's Mary at? Mary, I wish that I could just say, Mary McGrew, you are healed. I wish that I could do that. I really do. But the truth of the matter is, He might not. He might not. And the faith that is going to sustain you is not a faith that says, oh, He's, he's, he's just going to do it. He's just going to do it. He's always going to deliver me. He's always going to stop the mouth of lions. He's always going to kill the Goliath. He is always going to deliver me out of all of my evil. That is not a faith that's going to sustain you. Because one day, one day He's not. Not in this life. But the faith that will sustain you is the faith like Mary had that can look at all of her suffering, can look at all the consequences, can look at all the possibilities and still look at God and say, I'm yours. I'm your servant. You do with me whatever you will. I trust you. You are good. And even if you don't deliver me from this, I'm going to keep serving you. I'm going to keep loving you. I'm going to keep worshiping you because I know who you are and I know that you care for me. That is the kind of faith that will sustain you, and we can learn that from Mary in closing. From this great godly woman, 
the woman that God chose to be the mother of His Son, we can learn a beautiful humility. This godly woman, and yet still this humility that God has done this for me. And if He'll do this for me, God do it for them too. God do it for them. And from this good godly woman, we can see a faith that will sustain you in your hardest times. And it is my prayer that this is the kind of faith that you can imitate, you can take on. Don't worship Mary, but be like Mary. Be like her. Follow her faith. Imitate her faith. Imitate her humility. You can find the rest of the things we can imitate about Mary right there. They're in there. But I hope that you can see that if you can just put those two things on, you're going to be a far better Christian than you are today. I promise you that.